0: Is it possible that the ways we're used to communicating with our colleagues can sometimes make it tougher on us when we want to tackle problems together? Listen to Samantha Sinek from HRSA tell us how breaking common communication habits can help break open new ideas. Hi everybody, this is 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication from Health Communication Partners. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. Our Equitable Communication course has been found to make a statistically significant improvement in people's communication knowledge, confidence, and skills. What this course has that no other does is a one-hour live group meeting for the course participants after the videos are watched so we can get started applying what you've learned in your specific workplace. Learn more at healthcommunicationpartners.com. I'm live via Zoom with Samantha Sinek from the Health Resources and Services Administration. Sam, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, Anne-Marie, glad to be back.
0: This is the fourth installment of our four-part mini-series on public health communication. And it's been a great pleasure to sit down with you, Sam.
1: So many communication issues. (laughs) Okay, well, for this first one, or for this one, I wanna talk a little bit about what I first worked on when I started my public health career. Okay. I helped to coordinate webinars and asynchronous courses where we'd have one subject matter expert share their research findings or their recommendations on how to fix the health problem. And although I saw the value in disseminating those research and policy recommendations from researchers and practitioners who studied them all day long, I thought that the lecture-based delivery of the information might be preventing our training participants from seeing themselves as the subject matter experts or being able to take action on the problem.
0: That's definitely a, a a shortcoming of webinars and I mean and we've all been to a million of them. They do kind of put us in a passive spot which is unfortunate because we need experts and we need experts to tell us things. So um webinars do have their drawbacks. We need more than just that kind of
1: passive setup. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And it made me realize that I wanted to design more educational experiences where the teams were coming together, right? Groups of people were coming together to build their capacity, their knowledge by listening and learning from the wisdom of the group they were working with.
0: So I like this issue that you brought to us because it's about education and it's about communication. Um, because that the the webinar setup going back to that, one of the limitations is that you're usually not engaged. You're usually not doing something, you're just, you know, receiving, right? It's what's getting delivered to you. So how are you facing this issue of needing to have different kinds of education that have different kinds of like modalities, different ways of working together?
1: Sure. I think in an effort to build my own skills and how I could develop team-based learning, I started experimenting with different types of teaching, which included coaching. And I had the privilege of coaching a group of nonprofit professionals who came from different organizations using a framework called action learning. And in action learning, participants only need to follow two rules in order to take action on a problem and learn from each other. The two rules are statements should only be made in response to questions. And the second is that the action learning coach has the power to intervene when they see an opportunity to improve performance and learning of the group
0: so okay wait let me pause there because that's a (laughs) lot (laughs) so there are two rules the first one statements should only be made in response to questions so what that says to me is that there's a lot of question asking and i already like that because it's close to inquiry and giving questions pride of place um i think it's also pretty interesting that it it breaks us of potentially breaks us of the habit of just going right to statements that maybe do or don't have something to do with what was just talked about.
1: That's totally right, Amory. To make this more concrete, let me give you a public health example. Okay. Let's say an action learning team is working together to implement an obesity prevention program, and they want to figure out how to increase outreach to community members. They might be asking themselves questions like, how will we develop relationships within the community to increase uptake? A natural next question could be who has the connections with leaders who are doing activism on school lunches, community gardens, youth education, et cetera. Uh, And you're going to start to recognize people around the the room. They might not be doing that work, but they know someone who does or they're connected to a network that does that.
0: Thanks for giving us that kind of glimpse into this kind of work. What did you learn from using this? educational approach that has some pretty strict communication rules
1: it was a learning process Um, (laughs) at the beginning of our sessions when I was working with this team I noticed some pretty uneasy body language things like squirming Mm. people crossing their arms leaning away from the other participants I bet yeah, I mean, it's such a steep learning curve to to put into practice this new communication style that's focused on intense listening. But eventually, the team began to fall into a rhythm, right, where a participant would ask a question, and the other team members would take notes, they would carefully craft their responses before answer, answering. They were, they were really putting their all into listening. Mm-hmm. And my favorite moment was when a participant asked a question that was so out of the box that it stopped everybody in their tracks. And there was a moment of of intense silence for about 10 seconds.
0: Ooh, oh, people hear that, they might think, oh gosh, that was awkward. But I think what you're talking about here is a different kind of question, a question that like stops things, that breaks things open because a good question can do that.
1: Yes, and I think only making statements to questions, as we're talking about it, it probably sounds unnatural to our audience. Um, but what I witnessed was that when you had that purposeful inquiry with the measured and focused responses from the team, it's a pathway for teaching others how to gain new perspectives about a problem. And it helps them feel like they have the knowledge to handle it. They are the subject matter experts. And it felt like a way to expand my training participants' ability to listen to and appreciate their
0: own internal wisdom. And there's a couple of things that I love about this and one is that you know it's it's centering questions and the other is that it's about listening. And I have to admit Sam this is kind of embarrassing for me because here I am 150 something episodes into a podcast series about communication and I don't talk about listening that much. <laughs>
1: you're going to have to invite me back Absolutely,
0: to talk some more about listening because there's so much, I mean, did you learn anything about you in this process?
1: Absolutely. I, as a coach, had to engage in some pretty intense listening myself and trusting my own internal wisdom. So for example, during that coaching experience, I noticed that There was one person out of the group that was asking the most number of questions. Now, did that have something to do about power imbalances, group dynamics, politics? I wasn't sure. But I had to figure out, you know, when's the right time to bring this up to the group so they can reflect on it and determine whether they want to do anything about those behaviors.
0: So, usually at this point, it's when I ask people, you know, what are the next steps for you? But this is the fourth and last installment of this mini series on communication and public health with you Sam so I thought I wanted to kind of look back across all four of them and tell you something that I have noticed just observing you know that um not everybody knows that some of my expertise is in professional learning across the career span. So it's been a real treat to be able to learn from you as an early career professional. And so some of the things that I've noticed, if you'll indulge me for a moment, <laughs> is that across this series, you have been looking at taken for granted practices and arrangements in public health, and you're pulling them up and you're asking some questions about them. And that takes bravery by itself to question the status quo. Across the examples that you're giving us, I hear you also resisting what must be significant pressure to show your value by showing how quickly you can rush to a solution and, like, have the answer, which is the opposite from what you're, you know, you're telling this the story today about that 10, 15 seconds of silence and resisting the pressure to jump into that silence. You get the collaboration is the way. Forward, and that there are many layers and nuances to the work of bringing different people together. You also clearly get that this is long-term work. You have that long-term sense of field, and I think that's also um, that's admirable in any professional. And you're daring to claim that as an early career professional, you have knowledge worth sharing. And
1: Thanks, I- oh, you're making me blush. Over here. <laughs> no, I, I have been extremely lucky to have mentors like you in my life who allow me to grow and have a place to safely explore and learn. Ultimately, Amory, I hope that I'm able to continue to use these frameworks and, and you know, continue to be able to look uh, for the questions that I want to answer. Um, like, how can I create a culture where public health professionals see themselves um, engaged in lifelong learning? And then, like, what does what does the organization that's dedicated to learning look like? Um, but I'm I'm sure it'll take a lifetime, and I'm sure it'll take a whole um, smorgasbord of these frameworks <laughs> to actually make it work.
0: Samantha Cynic from the Health Resources and Services Administration. Thank you so much. Thank you for sitting down with me these four times, bringing stories from your experience and being vulnerable with us and reflecting on your practice and letting us learn from you.
1: Thank you so much, Amory. I really appreciate it.
0: This has been 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication from Health Communication Partners. Audio engineering by Joe Liebel. Music by Joe Liebel and Alexis Rounds. Thanks for listening to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication from Health Communication Partners, LLC. Find us at healthcommunicationpartners.com.